Welcome to the Mile Marker Podcast, where we explore fleet automation and shared mobility, focusing on innovation for businesses with fleets. I am your host, Angela Simoes, and joining us today is Richard Bishop, Principal at Bishop Consulting. Richard's extensive knowledge of connected and automated vehicles lends him the ability to provide strategic counsel with a global perspective to his extensive roster of clients in federal government agencies, vehicle manufacturers, suppliers, research laboratories, state departments of transportation, and technology firms. He is a contributor to Forbes.com, authoring articles on the impact of autonomous vehicles on fleets, the world, and the bottom line. Today, he joins us to talk about the art of autonomous vehicles, the benefits of going driverless, and what the future of fleet operations looks like with AVs. Also joining me as my co-host is Mark Thomas, EVP of Strategic Alliances at WrightSell. Richard and Mark, thank you for joining me. It's great to have you both here. Good to be here. Thanks, Angela. Excellent. So, Richard, before we jump into the meaty topic, give us a little bit of background on yourself and how you came to focus on trucking. Sure. I'll try to make a long story pretty short. I rode in my first automated vehicle back in 1991, not long after I'd taken a U.S. Department of Transportation position focused on automated driving. Uh, And I I led that program. It was uh, very car oriented, but we had some truck aspects as well. Um, I jumped out and started my consultancy in 97 and uh, very involved across automotive ADAS and other things. But it was all about the urban challenge where I led a team there and uh, the subsequent uh, investment by Google and starting things up that opened up the, the startup world to um, hardware, not just software, you know, vehicles, they're real 3D objects, not just bits and bytes. Uh, and, and as it turned out, the, uh, the truck side jumped out pretty quickly. I was involved in truck platooning quite a bit in the early days. And then we saw the, the other sort of a single truck, um, full automation uh, mm-hmm. systems come into play, companies really cranking up. So back in those frothy years, I was very involved and still tracking the industry very closely. Wow. 91. I, uh, I mean, it sounds so long ago. I can imagine the, um, just the experience of how far things have come with autonomous vehicles. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's um, kind of freaky, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I sound like a dinosaur, but that's <laughs> Um, not a dinosaur, just well-versed, well, yeah. well-versed. Um, so I think the question that, you know, maybe or nearly every fleet-based business is asking themselves is, you know, why should I consider autonomous vehicles? And then, you know, of course, then the next question after that is, how do I get started? So what do you say to those companies that you encounter that are asking that question? Yeah, there's a lot of layers to this, you know, everywhere I go, whether it's, uh, uh, on-road long haul, short haul, even uh, agricultural hauling, driver shortage is just everywhere. So right. okay. you have the option to uh, move that freight without a, a human driving the vehicle is just sort of a survival tech, um, approach. Just you have to move that freight. Uh, but there's also so much more than that. It's it's the um, the operational safety that comes with it. There's even substantial fuel economy benefits because um, an, an automated vehicle, an automated truck will drive as well or better than your very best driver in their very best five minutes of their shift, you know, and they're not impatient and all of that. 
and and operational uh, flexibilities offered as well. You can run that load over the the middle of the night when you'd have even even more trouble getting a human driver. There's a lot of factors there. Yeah, those are all really great points. Um, and you mentioned something about you know the efficiencies and operations. You know, at Rightso we talk a lot about uh, fleet automation and uh, applying automation to various aspects of operations to help fleet managers really do more with the resources that they have. And as you said, resources are becoming very limited these days. Um, so how do you see autonomous vehicles like fitting fitting into the ability to more to have fleets be more automated um, without completely removing the human subject? Yeah, there's um, it's very uh, various elements there. The long haul trucking, the the dominant early deployments will be what's called a ramp to ramp activity. Uh, so the vehicle is tuned up to run on a limited access freeway uh, and that's that's orderly in general, uh, but not take the load all the way to the loading dock. So there's the idea of a transfer yard very close to the interstate entry and exit where a, a human driven vehicle brings the load from the distribution center or the manufacturing plant to that transfer yard. And then uh, that trailer is, is unhooked and, and rehooked by an automated vehicle. And so it's, it's a very, uh, you know, technology human inter- interaction in that sense. Bryce, uh, you're talking last mile is kind of how we the industry yeah. refers to that, right? That's right. Yeah, right. Um, but I, I think in some of your research that you've done, and I think you you know, just um, actually published a paper um, about the last mile solution and and how automation or autonomous vehicles are being applied there as well. Um, wondering if you see an opportunity where you can sort of connect the two through, you know, fleet automation processes or you know technology yeah indeed and broadly speaking there will be a, a ripples or more than ripples through the operational world of a truck fleet because of the automation um the the timing of when a load goes uh whether it goes in a, a box truck versus a, a full-size tractor trailer if it's more short haul b2b there's a, a lot of um truck operations, the, the, the larger envelope of automation around uh, truck, uh, truck operations with the AVs will, will evolve a lot. And when I, when I give talks, I, I put that out there as a, hey, keep an eye on this. I don't know how it's going to evolve, but there's, in essence, every element of a truck operation, a truck fleet gets touched by, by this new tool of automation. King off your last mile, do you see a use case evolving where the vehicle itself ends up being self-driving, but there is still uh, an attendant in the vehicle to deliver the packages, take the product and get it, you know, the last 100 feet to the person's doorstep? How how is that use case um, evolving? I haven't heard too much about that. Uh, yeah, that that could be the case in a, a B2C kind of world, residential delivery. Um, and that is is not seen as an early use case because it's hard. It's as hard as the, the robo taxis that are trying to get their act together in, in San Francisco. And and we'll get there. Uh, and of course, the some of the robo taxi companies have uh, partnered with Uber Eats and others to start doing that, um, you know, residential delivery. But 
when it comes to freight and and the companies that I'm involved with, uh, that that big world is B two B. There's a significant amount of B two B activity and and uh, short haul. Uh, one of the companies, really the only company doing that now, is Gaddick, and they've been able to simplify the operational design domain so that for Walmart, their first customer. They're running from a, a Walmart dark store to a Walmart Walmart retail store. Back and forth, it's the same route all the time. As you can imagine, technically, you can really uh, certify and validate that operation because you have high, high awareness of that roadway and its moment-to-moment dynamics. So different than trying to just cover an entire geographic area. And, and that, that market is growing very quickly it's not just about the long haul trucking. That's that's a the Gaddock operation for Walmart is a, um, a box truck operation. It can easily uh, be an, an EV operation if if the fleet wants to do that. So if you, you've been in since I guess ninety one, five years ago, I think we we hit an inflection point in terms of you know the the trough of disillusionment. Now we're pulling back out of it. What? What are the hallmarks of what we were thinking five years ago and what we're thinking now in terms of the use cases that have really defined themselves and the uh, to allow this to be back and, and be relevant? Yeah, you know, you're right about that trough of disillusionment. To me, it seems like there's been several of them over the, over the last few years. And, and yet the industry, of course, any uh, frothy new industry is going to have lots of players early on, and then it starts to consolidate. Some folks drop out. That's what's happened recently, uh, and and yet there are still some st- some very strong players who are moving to market. Um, Torque and Aurora are very strong. Plus, um, whereas others are, there's kind of a question mark. Uh, and what it takes to to get from where we are now, which is essentially that the technology is either ready or almost ready. Um, Well, then what? Well, you have to scale up and scaling up means having the right kind of partners across the industry, uh, whether it's tier ones and of course, OEMs, that type of thing. Uh, You have to be able to handle a, a more varied environment. Initially, we'll see the automated trucks running in more benign environments, but Enable uh, in order to really serve the freight industry, you're going to have to operate across the whole geography of the U.S. and and whatever other markets you want to enter. So there's um, there's a professionalism that has come in that's beyond these super smart software guys figuring out how to make a truck drive itself to the the business level and a whole new world for these companies and they're they're stepping up to it. I want to go back to your Walmart example. Um, I mean, so because it's kind of the same route over and over again, they're sort of perfecting the efficiency of that route, I would imagine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had touched on some of the cost savings and other efficiencies um, that the trucking companies experience when they go autonomous. Can you talk a little bit more about, let's say, the revenue aspect of that and and where um you know they're they're experiencing gains in revenue because of of cost savings there, and then secondarily, um, 
the maintenance aspect, because it's such an efficient loop, if you will, um, any feedback from them or have you heard, you know, their maintenance is more regulated, so it's not as expensive or it's, you know, the, the vehicles know sooner that they need mm-hmm. maintenance than a human would, right? And so the system is able to flag it and, you know, whereas a driver may push it another hundred miles, the, you know, truck knows that it can't go any further. So if you could address those two kinds of things that, that came up um, when you yeah. talked about that example. I'll, um, I'll speak to maintenance first and then loop around to revenue a, a lot in maintenance. Um, there's certainly the, the question of who's going to do the care and handling of these vehicles, the radars and the LIDARs and make sure everything's working. Uh, early on, I think it'll be the developer companies that have to have a present at, at their, com- their customer site um, working that, but it that may not be efficient in the long term. That's just to launch an, uh, an, initial, an initial operation. So the third party uh, maintenance players are are starting to partner uh, with uh, with fleets that are running a, a Kodiak system, for instance, Ryder and other companies like that. Uh, I think we'll see um, a lot more of that. There's also um, maintenance is closely linked to inspection uh, in the truck world and. In the past, there's there's been a, a pre-trip inspection, and uh, then a, a cop can pull you over at any time to do a roadside inspection. That's pretty challenging for an automated vehicle to handle. There's been a boy, I think, a three-year process of um, the developers working with the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, which is the organization that brings together all those state police inspectors, to come up with a, a depot-based inspection which is uh, it's what uh, buses do. You know, you don't want your passengers in your bus to sit on the side of the road while a cop mm. inspects the bus. So there's it's a depot-based inspection before the trip. And um, there's a lot more detail to that. But the point being that there's a, a very structured approach to doing that. And you'll need uh, specially trained um, inspectors within your own operation certified to do the inspections. And that's linked very, very tightly to the maintenance. And as, as you mentioned, Angela, the, the potential of um, knowing ahead of time that something uh, needs attention. Yeah, you know, these, these trucks will, will have so much smarts watching the smarts of the vehicle uh, that, that you'll, you'll see a, not only a decrease in, in crashes because of the technology, but a decrease in maintenance uh, emergency type maintenance activities. In your world, do you see the people that are maintaining these vehicles going to the vehicle or does the vehicle need to be brought to the maintenance? That remains to be seen. It's going to be very uh, company specific, but um, you know, part of that, what does it take to get to market is what we have now is the the freight carriers, the traditional players, are having to adapt their operations for the special aspects of, of automated driving, such as the transfer yard idea. Well, the competitive advantage will be those who can move that situation back to a place where the fleets don't have to bend over backward to use this technology. So the maintenance side is a piece of that. Uh, what works best for the fleet, you know, in a in a 
uh, efficiency sort of way, in a profit sort of way. And it, it remains to be seen. Are you seeing the autonomous vehicles autonomously driving themselves to the maintenance places? Ah, nobody's ever asked me that question. That's it. <laughs> um, They're smart. Are they that smart? Yeah. Right? <laughs> My my guess is early on it'll be um, you know a, a driver will have to be dispatched out there. They'll you know there'll be some sort of the, a whole new business happening where companies can be available to you know intercept a, a, a self driving truck in the middle of Arizona or something uh, that's on the side of the road and and drive it to where it needs to be. Um, if if that happens very often, uh, you know that's the industry is not going to be in a good place, but you have to Even have some- routine maintenance, though. The vehicles themselves, when they're not broken down, can move ah. themselves oh, yeah. about to take care. And when you're in a situation when there is no driver, uh, how do you then handle um, keys? Does everybody essentially use uh, their phone to access the inside of the vehicle, the cabin and get permission to drive it? That's a great question. Um, and I think each company's handling it different, but I don't. I don't know how that's being done. I, I would expect it's a, uh, um, yeah, highly digital sort of thing, phone and whatever. Right, and then uh, there was the revenue side of the question. Um, can you address that? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, that's the key thing these days. These companies, uh, they're either publicly traded or they're venture capital supported, most of them, and they they need to get that revenue really cranked up, uh, which means they need to deploy with their automated truck. Um, I'll go back to Gaddick because they're the only company that has deployed the commercial product and they have their trucks are moving driverlessly out in the real world. They're doing that in Bentonville, Arkansas. They're doing that in Toronto with Loblaws, a, a major retailer there. Um, and soon they'll be doing it in for several customers in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. The customers have been announced and uh, they're on a process just to go through the, the paces to um, um, approve the driverless operations. So, uh, and what we're talking about with Gaddick and, uh, and other companies who will enter this space is uh even uh working with the customer so the customer has a sense that they're going to their cost of operations is going to go down even while Gaddick's revenue uh is is going up to a good place and and those kind of business arrangements uh, are at a mature point and and we'll see more of that but it it's all about scaling up you know the the numbers and the numbers of vehicles numbers of miles um, and you can only do that uh, if you have a, a, a truck manufacturer who's ready to provide to you what we call a level four ready truck, uh, a truck that's got additional redundancy and in, in brakes, throttle, steering, even the electrical system and the cooling system to support a driverless truck. So that that'll sort of pace the revenue generation possibilities for these companies. Right now, they're doing it with dozens of trucks or maybe less than that, you know, and that's good enough to uh, demonstrate to customers that uh, the, the system might, will fit in operations. But 
there'll be an inflection point when the the truck OEMs, the class eight truck OEMs can deliver those. Meanwhile, if you're running smaller vehicles, such as the box trucks, um, that's, that's much more easily done, the redundancy, and that's already been done. I feel like, you know, we can't have any technology conversation these days without mentioning AI. And some of the things that you're talking about, it, you know, again, this sort of feedback loop and learning from the roots and learning from, you know, how the vehicles are performing. And then, you know, think about all this, like you mentioned, all the sensors, right? The LIDAR and the cameras, and these are all feeding back into the system. So have you heard of companies that are sort of taking all of that data and applying some AI? So, or or maybe not AI, maybe it's another way to do it, but, you know, learning from all of that data to then make the routes or how the vehicle operates more efficient and whether that be fuel economy or maybe it's a different route because it's shorter or, or anything like that. But, you know, again, would be remiss if we didn't mention AI and, and how the vehicles and the systems are getting smarter with every route that they drive. Great question. Uh, I'll have to restrain myself from going off on a rant about <laughs> we can we can have you back for another yeah, podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we can yeah. talk about it. Well, the, the term has been uh, corrupted in a way because the society now hears AI. They're hearing about generative AI, chat GPT and all that mm-hmm. societal implications. But in their minds, they're thinking AI and only AI. Whereas we know AI has been around for years and it's it's the reason we can talk into our phones and it'll write a text for us and all this stuff. It's it's very, you know, there's sort of basic AI and then there's this right. fantasy stuff. Um, so the development of automated driving uh, relies deeply on the AI processes of ingesting a lot of data, uh, which which can help um, help. One example would be would be um, computer vision and being able to detect and understand what's happening as a car moves around on the road, pedestrians and shadowing and all that, but see those effectively. And uh, one company I know of uh, five or six years ago, they went to uh, dash cameras, dash cam videos that are on YouTube, a huge number of those. And they just, you know, shoveled that into their uh, their AI engine and it got very smart, very quick because it had that level of data. And the, the truck guys are doing that as well. One reason they're doing so many drives with safety drivers is they're exposing the vehicle to the uh, to the real world, ingesting all that information and, you know, tuning up their ability to um, to perceive the environment. Um, it's, it's just a given in this space. Excellent. All right. So we are coming uh, up on the end of our podcast. It's just a, another question or two. Um, so everybody's trying to figure out and, and people have made predictions in the past. We will have full autonomy by X date and everybody was wrong. Right. Um, so but when you look at fleets or fleet based businesses and, you know, fully adopting autonomous vehicles, um, when, in your opinion, when do you think that might happen and what will it take for fleets to fully adopt? I mean, there's not like you just swap out, you know, gas powered mm. vehicles. Right. Um, so what will it take and when do you think that might happen? I'll give you a, a couple of, um, of examples. Last week I was at a conference in San Francisco 
and uh, rode in both the uh, Waymo and Cruise robo-taxi vehicles in very gnarly traffic, and it was just flawless. It did great. Wow. Um, and they, it, this, this is a commercially available technology. It depends on where you are geographically, but it's commercially available. Um, and that's on the passenger carrying side. On the truck side, the freight side, as I said before, uh, one company, Gaddick, has al- already entered into that driverless world. I think they were the first country uh, company in the world to uh, to start doing driverless freight. The other guys have said 2024, it'll it'll be announced, it'll be released commercially. And these um, companies, that's Aurora and Kodiak, they're they're working. Uh, Aurora in particular is working with some truck manufacturers to provide that level four redundancy I spoke of. So the pieces are coming into place. Um, and another strong player being Torque Robotics, which is 51% owned by Daimler Trucks. They're cranking along very solidly. So we're it's it's not far off. Um, and depending on where you look, it's already here. It's 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 happening. And the thing about that is that the passenger side of things will be able to learn a great deal from the trucking side, right? Just in terms of, you know, some of those use cases of how do you navigate traffic? I realize highway driving is much different than, you know, urban driving, um, but there's still, I think, a lot of um, a lot of learning to be done and system improvement. So, well, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I haven't mentioned Waymo yet, but they have both a very strong robo-taxi program as well as a truck automation program. Uh, the same is true of Aurora, robo-taxi and truck. Currently, um, um, Waymo is focusing all of their, virtually all of their energy on the robo-taxi side. They've got to ramp that up with the revenue. They've got to get profitable. So they put their truck side on ice for a, a while, but they'll be very strong once they step back in. And Aurora is the opposite way. So they're putting all their energy into the truck side, but that allows them to pivot quickly into the uh, on uh, on street trucking uh, later and their robotaxi operations. Excellent. Well, this has been uh, quite fascinating. Um, I learned quite a bit about um, what's happening in the trucking industry. That I, you know, I, I thought I was up to speed on everything, but <laughs> I learned a few things. Um, any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? Simply that uh, while you can find lots of naysayers and media articles. Uh, there is it's a very strong and very mature industry a very responsible industry and the we will see the safety promises i'm certain we will see the safety promises become reality um and the whole society will benefit from that even while freight flows more cheaply and more efficiently and mark any thoughts on your end i agree this has been really informative uh, thank you so much richard you're welcome Yeah, this has been great. Um, Well, thank you both again for your time. Thank you to our listeners who joined us for this episode. And until next time, keep moving forward. Thanks for listening to the Mile Marker Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, give us a like, share this episode on social media, and even take a minute to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to join us for our future episodes full of insights and ideas to keep the mobility industry moving forward.